You're listening to the Best in the World Sports Report. Welcome back to the Best in the World Sports Report. Just a reminder, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at B-I-T-W Sports. My name is John Brown. Welcome to the show. Welcome back. Talking Super Bowl, y'all. Just a you know, just a few hours, just a few days. Whenever you're listening to this, it is just a matter of time before the Super Bowl kicks off, and yours and mine, our Philadelphia Eagles, will be playing. So that brings us to our next guest. This is my man, Fifty Grand. Let me bring him in from PhillyInfluencer.com, from Fox Twenty Nine from iHeartRadio, and he is still, he's still the man who ran up on Shady McCoy all by himself on the street to ask for an interview. Ladies and gentlemen, my close personal friend, my homeboy, my man 50 grand, Mr. Sean Brace. Sean was good, brother. JB, good to be back with you, my man. Good to be back with you and uh, remembering those times of running up on Probably not the smartest move I've ever made, that's for sure. <laughs> Probably not, but in my eyes and in the eyes of many people, that made you a legend, my friend. You are a legend in my eyes because I don't know if I would have done it, but you did, and you, you know you made history, man. The key is, if you ever do anything like that, just keep the camera running. That's all. <laughs> keep exactly, because you never know what type type of evidence you might need, man. Let's talk about this game coming up. I just want your opinion on this. Do you feel like Nick Foles, do you feel like he has to have a game like he did in the NFC Championship to win Super Bowl 52? Does he have to do that again? I don't think he can do that again. That's one. And mm-hmm. number two is, no, I don't I don't think that that's, that's the case. I mean, he played a perfect game. I, I think the, the, you know, without boring you with the stats, what was it, 76% completion percentage? And I think the only guy did that in an NFC championship game or championship game, that high completion percentage, Joe Montana. You know, it's just he was he was hitting everything. The game was operating so slow. Nick Foles just needs to be his normal self. I have confidence in Nick Foles. I thought he was a, he was a, a solid backup option when Carson Wentz went down. He showed exactly that in the second half of the Giants game. Those two games at home, the Cowboys and Raiders game, it was terrible, terrible weather. I don't put any stock into that game. I don't care how, how they played in those games. And by the line, they won the Raiders game and the Cowboys game. Nobody even cared. But look, in that second half against the Falcons game, he bounced back, got into a little bit of rhythm. I think Doug Peterson found things out uh, that, that found out some strengths that, that uh, Nick was able to operate under. And, and then obviously they took that game plan and rolled right into the Vikings game and were able to push around that number one defense. So uh, I don't think, Nick Foles has to play a perfect game. I don't expect him to. Uh, just as long as the offensive line and and, and, and Doug Peterson remains the same, those are your keys right there. Doug has just elevated his play calling these last couple of weeks, kept everybody together, kept it moving with, with all the injuries they've dealt with. And that offensive line, it was rewarded at the end of the season by pro football focus. Uh, it depends if you, if you put credence into those numbers or not, but I think we can all agree the offensive line was darn good. Pro Football Focus said they were number one, the number one rated offense, uh, according to them. So there's truth behind that, and that's what it comes down to for me. If Peterson and the offensive line are able to, to elevate their games to where they were against the Vikings in the NFC Championship game, Nick Foles can be just as good as Nick Foles has been in the past. And I'm talking 220, 
no interceptions, one touchdown, then the Eagles can come away with a victory. I like that. I like what I'm. I like what I'm hearing right now. You're making me feel real good. I'm feeling real confident about what's going on on Sunday. Let me ask you: Were you always a believer in Nick Foles? Um. Yeah. You know, the 27 and two days. I. You know, I, I definitely put more stock into Chip Kelly and his system, and and that's where I would say that I was duped more than Nick Foles. I've always thought Nick Foles was a decent quarterback. I never thought he was a complete bust. Uh, but then there were some cer- certain times where I looked at his arm. I was a little questionable about his arm uh, with as far as strength because you got to be able to stretch the field. you got to be able to attack downfield. So those were some of the things that worried about him. But again, you're talking about a backup quarterback here. And, you know, it, it, most of the time when you go to that backup option, you're not going to win games. But Nick Foles has proved that wrong. Uh, have I been the biggest Cheerleader for Nick Foles? No, but did I? I didn't mind the signing when they when they inked him to a two year deal at the beginning of the year. I didn't mind it at all. I hear you. So now you you talked about the fact that you did not give you didn't put a lot of stock into those last two games of the season. But after was it after the Atlanta game or after the Minnesota game? Did you start to say, hey, you know what? This guy could win us a Super Bowl. Now that it's you know, now that we're here, now that it's on the line, it's like it's a different conversation now. You know, we could talk, yeah. you know, back in the past few weeks ago, a few months ago, we could argue, hey, could Nick Foles win you a Super Bowl? And you might get a completely different answer. Now we're sitting here, you know, with the Super Bowl coming up. The Super Bowl is now Sunday. At what point did you start to believe and say, Hey, you know what? This guy could win it for us? JB, I've been uh, I've been total coach coach cliche talk <laughs> uh, since Carson Wentz has gone down. You know, it was all about levels. It was always about steps. It was always about one game at a time for me. And, and I mean, that's about as coach speak as it gets. But it was the truth. You know, the you you, you already at that point in time that Carson Wentz went down. That was week thirteen. You had three games left in the regular season. You had to win. I forget exactly how it broke down, but basically win the next two games and you're going to be the one seed, and they did exactly that. And I said, okay, now that they're the one seed, that makes a difference because, you know, you want to go ahead and advance in the playoffs. You have to have home field advantage. Very rarely do we see a six-seed run through it. Now, I know we've seen it before with the Giants and the Packers in recent years, but I know things are a hell of a lot easier at the link when you have that crowd behind you on defense. So, my theory was one game at a time, Atlanta, okay, they won that game. Now it's Minnesota. I never thought about a Super Bowl till after the Minnesota game. And his performance in that NFC Championship game, and again, for me, it's more about the other players. It's more about the defense. It's more about the offensive line. It's more about Doug Peterson. And I realized Nick Foles is the quarterback, and, hey, if they win it, he's going to get MVP. I don't care how good or bad he plays. Uh, but I wasn't thinking about the Super Bowl till after the Vikings game. And uh, now that we're here, absolutely. I have to look you straight in the face and say that Nick Foles could win a Super Bowl for the Eagles. I hear you. Well, look, you talked about uh, just being on coach speak for the last couple of weeks. Let's shift gears. Let's talk about the coach for a few minutes. How much has Doug impressed you this season? Man. You know, look, last year they went 7-9. and nine. And I saw what I needed to see, a rookie quarterback, a coach that was average to a little above average. You know, I, I was 
I was okay with Doug. I, I, I liked the way he approached the media. I know a lot of people didn't. I mean, look, there was a lot of, lot of negative reaction towards Doug from day one. So he's been proving the naysayers wrong. And, again, I wasn't his biggest cheerleader either, but I said give him a damn time. Yeah. Give him an option. Yeah. Allow him to breathe. We already ran one coach out of here that had a winning record after two seasons, which Chip Kelly brought that upon himself. But the, the, the fans were just crazy over that. You have to give Doug Peterson time. So, look, this year he's earned it, man. When you lose your uh, look, I, I, I heard um, who was it? it was it was Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz was on the podium Monday night, and he laid it out. And he said, "Man, we lost Caleb Sturgis, we lost Jason Peters, we lost Sproles, Wentz, and uh, uh, Jordan Hicks at the middle linebacker position." And you're telling me we have a chance to win the Super Bowl? He's like, "If you told me that in August, I would have said you are out of your mind." And Doug kept it together that's a huge piece of the puzzle of being a head coach in the national football league of course winning games it solves everything it cures everything but keeping it moving keeping everyone believing and and ultimately uh you know calling great games on sundays and being the head coach winning football games nfc east champion or uh, nfc champion nfc east crown yeah i'm a believer in doug peterson i'm buying that stock right now I'm, i think we i think we all are now let me there's a couple of things that he's done this season that have really, really impressed me and really stuck out to me. One has been the play calling. And when I, when I bring up his play calling, I feel like it must be said how much this fan base wanted to run him out of town after week two. Yeah. Week, week two, they lose to Kansas City, who at that, at that point in time were looking like a juggernaut. You know, they – Yes, they came, you know, crashing back down to earth as the season progressed. But at that point in time, they lost to a really good Kansas City team, and they were people ready to run Doug out of town. And when you look at how his play calling has been since then, especially in the Atlanta game and especially in the Minnesota game, I think that, you know, that that says a lot about him. But then also what what impresses me a lot about Doug is his adjustments. I think he has shown he can do he is great at making adjustments. Yeah. You know, something's you know, something's working, team is having uh having some success in the first half. He makes sure when they come out in the second half, they're not having that same success. And you know, in in the Minnesota yeah. in the Minnesota game, he made the adjustment a lot earlier. They marched down the field the first drive and then that's it, they're done. You well, know. I I think I think we have to give some credit to the uh, the, the coordinators. To the coordinators, of course. Yeah. Because when it comes to play calling, I think Steve Filippo has a little bit to do with the red zone, or maybe Frank Wright does as well. But bottom line, that 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 play calling is is Doug Peterson. That's him. At the end of the day, he's going to take that on the chin if it works or if it doesn't. That's on him. But I have a feeling that the adjustments. I mean, Frank Wright has been involved in the game for decades, decades. Pretty darn good coach. And that's your number two, you know. And then D. Filippo, who the NFL is going crazy. We thought the Cardinals were, was going to to land him as the head coach. Everyone loves him. Uh, I have not had the opportunity to speak to him, so I can't really tell you exactly what he's all about. But I have to believe, for you know, the the, the fanfare that there's truth behind it or there's reasons behind it. So look, I look at his coordinators, and I look at Frank Reich as a huge reason to to Doug Peterson's success this year. And I think Doug would tell you that as well. And a matter of fact, when I spoke to Zach Ertz. In the locker room after the Vikings game, I was talking about how impressed I was with Doug Peterson's play calling. But not only just that, uh, 
just schemes, different because I never we didn't see Nick Foles under center in, in the season, and then all of a sudden he's comfortable in the RPOs. But then you go back to to under center, and on third and two, you have enough uh, enough courage to to have instead of handing the ball off to like Garrett Blunt, it's thirty two in the red zone, and you're just running Zach Ertz on a quick little out. I mean, it was a beautiful play call, and I brought that up to Zach Ertz, and he was like, "Look, Doug's calling the plays." But don't forget about Frank Reich. We work really hard in practice all season long. These guys are coming together at the right time, and it's showing. Talking on the line with my good friend Sean Brace from PhillyInfluencer.com, Fox 29, and iHeartRadio. Hey, Sean, I want to ask you, give me a, an aspect of this team that's not Nick Foles that worries you about Sunday. Something, something about this team that you feel – could be a reason for them to not be successful on Sunday. Linebackers. Yeah, the linebackers scare me, you know, and, and I went back and looked at uh, I went back and looked at the Giants when they won their two Super Bowls over the Patriots. And here's where I got a little relief. Uh, I had no idea who the hell their linebackers were. Except for Antonio Pierce, that was the one guy. But those two years it was like, eh, whatever. So if you want to win uh, if you want to beat Tom Brady and Belichick you got to get pressure up front from the defensive line. So that's where I'm a little calm. But if you want to go ahead and pinpoint something and say, you know what, if the if the Patriots are going to have success, I think they're going to do it against this core. I'm looking at the linebackers for the Eagles. Oh man, and you say that, and now they're you know they're talking about they're talking today about uh, Gronk being cleared to play. So that's that's going to put a lot of extra pressure on these on these linebackers. And you're not going to stop Gronk. You know, mm-hmm. you're not going to. But what you can't do is allow him to go for 183 and three touchdowns. You can't allow that. No, but not at all. No. One five and one touchdown and say, all right, Gronk, he's going to get his. I mean, the guy's an amazing talent. He's a freak. Uh, he's one of the best tight ends I've ever seen. Even from a blocking standpoint, the guy has no weaknesses at all. So if you allow him to get his 105 and one touchdown, so be it. Not the end of the world. You just can't allow big plays from anybody else. And and I think that's how the game plan is going to play out for the Eagles on Sunday. I really do. All right. Well, let me let's shift gears for a little bit. Where were you in 2004? How did you watch Super Bowl 38? Uh, I was in North Carolina, mm-hmm. and believe it or not, that was a huge reason why I moved up to Philadelphia. I was in North Carolina. Uh, I remember it was like it was yesterday, and I had uh, I had the, the Eagles winning the game. I had the Eagles covering the game, and shout out to Rodney Harrison for for kneeling. When he picked that ball off, uh, the Eagles did cover. They did not win at all, but they did cover that game. So that was a huge deal for everybody. So I remember I was watching with a couple of Eagles fans and a couple other fans that didn't have a care in the game at all. But everybody had money on the game. And when they covered, everybody was going crazy. But everyone that was a diehard Eagles fan was definitely upset. Well, look, I know you talk to a lot of Eagles fans, you know, in your line of work with what you do. You talk to Eagles fans all the time. So you know how they feel, and there there is a lot of confidence. There's a lot of people talking this week, and they feel like, you know what, this team can beat the Patriots. And I don't think that's necessarily overconfidence. It's certainly, I don't think it's cockiness, because I don't think you can be cocky when you're looking across the field at Tom Brady and the Patriots. But for you, does does your personal confidence level differ from that of the fans that you that you have come into contact with? Yeah, JB, it does. Because you know why? And and I watched Belichick's presser the other day, and he nailed it. You know, and I know he's giving the coach speak as well. But there's truth to this. There's absolute truth. They're not playing 
the 18 and one Patriots, even though they didn't win the Super Bowl, they're not playing the dynasty Patriots with Teddy Bruschi and Rodney Harrison and Willie McGinnis and all that. They're not going up against those guys. They're going up against this year's Patriots squad. And I know that's a top five defense. I know Tom Brady led the league in, in, in passing yards. I know Deion Lewis is, is, is fast as heck out of that backfield. I know Gronk is really talented and those wide receivers are really good, but, and it's the Patriot way that still carries over, but, I'm not worried about this team like they're some juggernaut, like they, they've won five Super Bowls and they've been in seven and this is the eighth. I'm not worried about that at all. Experience, yeah, it's a plus to have at this time, but guess what? You got guys like Chris Long and Garrett Blunt have been in it. You had seven total uh, Eagles uh, that have played in a Super Bowl. So if they needed to, to hear anything about media week or, or, or the week leading up to the Super Bowl, all they had to do was talk to those guys. Doug Peterson played in the Super Bowl when he was with Green Bay. When he was the backup quarterback, he knows how it works. Granted, things are a little bit different these days, but I'm not worried about it. It's just a game. It's 60 minutes. In the beginning, there's going to be nerves. They're going to get that out of the system. And then guess what? It's game on. And if that team that shows up was the same team, whether it was against the Falcons that held them down to 10 points or the Vikings that ran off 38 unanswered and held them to seven points, I feel good about my chances on Sunday. I feel good. I feel good, too. You know, it's – it's been a while since I've been in this situation. It's been a while since we've had a team in the Super Bowl. You know, it's it's funny as good as a lot of those Andy Reid teams were. The fact still remains is we're in the Super Bowl now. We haven't been in the Super Bowl for 13 years. And before that, you know, we're talking over 20. So it, it, it it's I feel good, although this is still, you know, new territory for me. But let me ask you. As as a fan, like looking at this game, looking at the preparation from this game, looking at this team, how do you feel like this run compares? What makes this run different from the run in two thousand four? Oh, wow. uh, two thousand four. I mean, obviously, you think about To and wow, if they would have won that Super Bowl, we would look at that performance in the Super Bowl as, as just in a whole new light. Uh, which it doesn't get enough credit, in my opinion. What a year by T.O. it was. But, you know, that, that year you, you dealt with some some issues. You dealt with, I mean, you know, McNabb had an ego. It's fourth year, the success that they've had. Obviously, the Eagles felt like they were untouchable. This year, nobody gave them a chance, kept writing them off every single time. They, there's a much different feel when you think about this team versus 04. And uh, I think all you got to do is look at the whole – underdog mentality as we stand here today even in, and we're carrying that into sunday and i love it i love the fact that they're carrying that into sunday because you know truth mm-hmm. is they are underdogs according to vegas mm-hmm. and it's a bad patriots but if you were to compare the two much different much different because one thing and one thing only that that was like the, the, the that was a run you know i look at that success and i i always i often get at people and say you know you're not giving andy enough credit i know he never won at all but those four seasons that they were able to win so many games and then get back to the playoffs and then go to NFC Championship game and eventually make it to the Super Bowl, you know, I would imagine there was a number of players on that team that felt like they were untouchable. This year, you didn't get that sense at all. They want they, you know, maybe mentally they thought they were untouchable. When they get on that field, they thought they were untouchable. But week after week after week addressing the media, it was just business as usual. And the same went as when they were the number one seed. And the disrespect is pouring in. You're an under, underdog against the Falcons, underdog against the Vikings, and here we are on Sunday, underdog against the Patriots. I love it, JB. And let me also say this. I love, 
I love the fact that the Minnesota Viking fans don't want us there. Oh, I what love, you know? I, call I, a ambulance. You know, if I gotta hear another Vikings fan out here whining and complaining, you know, it, it's it's great. You know, we you know, I, I can't deal with those guys, man. Can't. It's good. It's good because it's an extra added element into the disrespect, the disrespect saga that we've been dealing with for the past couple of weeks, yeah. and uh, I love it because you know what? Anything that you can pass on to, to provide you with a little bit of an edge, here we are. And you know darn well that when they walked out on that stage, the Eagles were were taken back by the, you know, whoa, all right, you know, like I felt like it was Snoop Dogg. Uh, at the Source Awards, like, oh, he's close ain't got no love for us? Like, mm-hmm. That's how I felt. Like, Minnesota ain't got love for us? We represent the NFC. Okay, I see how it is. So mm-hmm. what we're going to do... Let it be known then. Yep. We'll be gone. Yeah, let it be known Let then. it be known then. I, I hear you. I hear you. Two quick questions before I let you go. Real quick, they uh, they talked about uh, Doug's going to have Brett Favre address the team on Saturday. What would you think of that? I apologize, JB. One more time, brother. I said... Uh, they just announced that uh, Brett Favre is going to address the team on Saturday. Just wanted your thoughts on that. Uh, well, look, they played together. Uh, Brett Favre isn't much of a rah-rah guy, but he's 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 going to speak about legacy, I would imagine, and what this one game will do for you uh, for the rest of your life. You know, and, and we often hear, like, hey, they can't take it away from you. Once you're a champion, they can't take it away from you unless you're in the NCAA. Uh, but here in professional sports, you know, once you're a champion, that's it. You got the ring, and they will forever be, you know, especially in this city, you will never have to buy a beer ever again, as Bernie Perron or Bobby Clark, they'll tell you, they never have. So uh, I think that's what Brett Favre is going to get out there on Saturday and say. And I'm all right with it. Anything, like I said, any advantage that you can you can create for yourself, do it. I hear you. And real quick, this is, uh, I'm, I've been trying to garner some support on this. I'm not trying to get ahead of myself. I'm not trying to jinx anything, and I'm not predicting anything. However, I feel like if there is a Super Bowl parade in our future, that parade must go the full length of Broad Street. The parade must start at Sheltonham Avenue and go all the way to the to the Navy Yard. That's what that's what I need. I need that Super Bowl parade to go the full length of Broad Street. Can well, I get you on board with that? That's the first I've heard of it, and I love it, JB. I love it. I'm glad that you brought that up. I never even thought about that. Um, Market yeah. Street is not enough. We cannot just start this at Market Street. We, it cannot start on the Ben Franklin Parkway or wherever you know the championship parades start. I need the enti- the entire city from north. To South, I need Sheltonham Avenue. That's where the parade must start. That 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 is that is what I want. Well, I, I think well with the Phillies, there was I think a million people out there for that parade. I want to say in two thousand eight. I mm-hmm. think that's, that's. I would imagine there there will be more. I I just I would assume there's going to be a lot more people. So if that's the case, spread it out a little bit more. Obviously, the finish line stays the same with the link and. You know, you have your special ceremony there afterwards, but have that parade run all the way down Broad Street. You got my vote, JB. I hear you. I hear you. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Sean Brace from PhillyInfluencer.com, from Fox 29, from iHeartRadio, 
my main man, Sean. Thank you for coming on uh, today, man. Well, whoop, whoop. 29-23, Eagles. J-H-I-A is your MVP. Go Birds. 29-23. You, you heard it right there. My man, Sean Frazier just said 29-23. There's going to be a Super Bowl win in our future, you guys. He said it. I believe him, man. I believe him. All right? Let's take a break. And when we come back, we got more as we're getting ready for the Super Bowl. My name is John Brown. This is the Best in the World Sports Report. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Best in the World Sports Report. Listen to this show in its entirety every Saturday at 8 a.m. on the 